service Sunday, we'll take a little break from our study in the book of Romans here. Um, the text probably that we'll jump to here, I'm going to get to a few other scriptures leading into that. But this morning, um, it'll be in 2 Timothy um, chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And we'll read this together this morning. I, I titled this morning's message, you know, uh, Falling in Love with the Bible. And um, the reason I, I'm doing this is after watching the movie this last week, one of the things that was so um, encouraging to me, um, I hadn't seen it, you know, Pastor Chuck ever, I never saw him do this, but it was part of the movie. So um, I got to believe that it was this little snippet was something that Chuck used to do at the beginning of a service. And when he walked out um, and every time when, um, you know, as more and more kids were coming into the church that never had any understanding, you know, the Bible previously, you know, they weren't churchgoers. I mean, this was something God was saving the hippies, right? And, uh, and uh, it was just an amazing thing. Chuck would stand up in the front and he'd hold up his Bible and he would tell the congregation, you know, everybody that was there, but specifically he was speaking to the young people and he'd say, this is the Bible. This, this is God's word. This is his inspired word. This is God's word to us. He'd say something, you know, different. It wasn't like some rote thing that he said. And then he says, then let's, let's open it. Let's, let's get into it. Let's read it together. And, and it was one of those things that I remember in the early days of Calvary Chapel. Um, it was that you, you did not go to church without a Bible. If you went to church without a Bible, I mean, not in a judgmental way, people just figured you weren't saved. And you were coming to church to get saved. And when you left, guess what? You were going to get a Bible, right? It's just like we love giving out Bibles. We've Over the years, we've given out thousands of Bibles uh, to people. And not just in our church, but shipped them all over the world. It's just one of those things. You'll never fully understand God until you have a Bible. And, and the thing that really ministered to me about that was just how much the Bible was part of an everyday life. It wasn't something that you just took with you on Sunday to church. I mean, I, you know, I remember I, I worked at, at Pepsi-Cola back in those days. And, and when I got saved in college, uh, I was given a little Gideon Bible when I was walking across campus. It was green, little tiny green Bible. And I remember I carried that thing with me wherever I went. And I mean, I would take it to work. And, and sometimes I felt like I was in the catacombs in China, you know, like I would be there and I'd be reading it, you know, down. I remember one time the owner and he was like six foot five. He was big guys from Georgia. He had a Southern accent and I had my head down. I was reading my Bible and he, he come and he stood in front of me at my desk and he goes, what are you, what are you doing there, Mike? Are you asleep? And I was like, I looked up, I was like, no, Mr. Lindsay. Uh, and, and, and it's not that I wanted to, to testify or witness or anything. It just, he scared me to death. It startled me. And I just said, I'm just reading my Bible like that. And he smiles real big and he goes, that's good. You need to be reading that Bible. You, you know, and he goes in and starts sharing his, his faith with me. And, but I remember that was just part of what you did if you, if you knew Jesus back in the seventies, the early eighties, and just over time, you know, it's kind of drifted. And now it's like, you know, we can go, yeah, I love Jesus and stuff, but I don't bring a Bible to church. I just kind of listen, kind of take it in. I study on my own, you know, and, and that's all well and, and good, but revival breaks out when it happens in the heart of not just one person, but every person that really, and you think about that, that I have a love 
for God's word. And I want to just share with you some things today when I, I just, as I was praying about that as, as we left and just over the next, I just kept seeing that scene in my mind. It's just how, how important it is, you know, for you and I to not only have a Bible and to read a Bible, but that, you know, and I say this you know, often, you know, it's not so much how much you get into the word of God, it's how much does the word of God get into you. And, and it's so important and it'll never happen if we're not, you know, reading. And so I'm going to share with you, you know, a lot of things here that are just on my heart this morning before we let you go. But let, let's read this together in Second Timothy chapter three. We'll read verses 14 through 17. And like I said, I'm reading from the NLT translation and, you know, and whatever translation you enjoy and you use. Like I said, I, I've really my conviction is I've been sharing with you over the last few weeks. It's not. You know, which is the best translation out there, you know, per se. The best one to me, you know, for you isn't even necessarily the one that you'll read. The The best translation is the one that you'll read and that you'll obey. Amen. And that, that's what it's about. Jesus came to transform our lives. And so if we're just going through the motions, you know, may God bring that conviction. May his word do what it purposed to do in our life and bring about a conviction that, you know, again, we would fall in love with the Bible. And I don't know about you, but I, you know, I remember when I fell in love with the Bible and, and I, and it was so exciting. I remember my first Valentine's, you know, before we read this and pray my first Valentine's with Lee, my wife, she got me a Strong's Concordance and, and it was like this big. If you remember that it was brown, you remember those? It was like this big. And that was, a, that was the very first gift that she gave me for, for Valentine's day. Right. And I was like, oh, I love this woman. She gave me a Strong's Concordance for my birthday. I was like, Mom, this is her. This is the one. You know, my mom and dad, because, you know, they were like going, he's lost it. You know, that, I mean, to think that, you know, that you would want a concordance in, for, for any event, let alone Valentine's Day, you know. And, but I tell you, you know, to, to fall in love with the Bible... Uh, my, one of my favorite pastors, you know, um, I love this guy. And if you know him, you love him too. Is Mike McIntosh. He's retired. He was the pastor of um, Horizon uh, Christian Church down in uh, San Diego. Mike got saved uh, during the, the Jesus movement, you know, there at, at Costa Mesa and went down to San Diego and uh, planted a church. And he said something that's so profound. I want you to think about it before we read this. He said, if you will fall in love with the Bible you can't help but fall in love with the author. And it's so true. You know, you fall in love with the Bible, you will fall in love with the author because it is a wonderful love story from Genesis to Revelation, amen? Let, let's read 2 Timothy three fourteen through 17, and then we'll pray. It says, but you, Paul, he's speaking to his young protege, Timothy here. He says, but listen to what he says. He goes, you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know that you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. I love that we have a baby dedication, you know, today. We've got kids here. And it says, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. It says, all Scripture. So how much, is, how much Scripture does it say there? All Scripture is inspired by God. It doesn't mean when it says inspired it's not saying that, you know, someone had, like God had a thought and then he just kind of threw it out there to people and they kind of like poetry or writing a song. They took it and ran with it. And I'll share more with this. Do you think about that word inspired? 
is that it means, you know, it's God's word. It's not man's word. It's God's word. God breathed, came from God, breathed it unto man to print down on paper. But he says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that we have Bibles. I think of China and other parts of the country today where it's illegal to own a Bible and people will risk their lives. They risk being beaten and tortured, literally killed, or just to smuggle in pieces of scripture, not even an entire Bible. And Lord, we have, we have books. We have multiple books. I have my iPad with me this morning and I've got probably Lord 20 translations electronically right at my fingertips. And Lord, I pray for myself today. God, that you would just ignite a, a, a fresh and a holy passion, Lord. Not just to study your word, but Lord, just to enjoy it, just to be in it, Lord, to, to run to it, to look to it. To, for everything Paul would say here, that it teaches us to do what's right and it repairs us for every good work. We can't do that on our own. There's no other book to read. There's no other place to study, Lord, than your word. Let it have such a high place in all of our lives, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That, that word scripture there, Paul uses it twice. And it's the, the Greek word you think of, you know, in the, in the Greek language, graphie. Graphie It's where we get our, our English word graph, right? And it means writing. So I want you to think about that. You know, it's important because, you know, God has given us his word, what? In writing. That's, that's what he wants us to know. He's given it to us. He's made sure that it's written down for us. And so Paul tells Timothy to continue in the things that he has learned from what? From God's writing. And that's, it, it can be so simple, but yet, you know, we can, we can gloss over it and miss it completely. You know, and you think about what did they teach? What did, what did Timothy's mother and grandmother teach him? It wasn't, wouldn't have been the New Testament. They would have been teaching him the Old Testament. I, I find that so many you know, Christians go, oh, you don't even really read or study the Old Testament. But that's exactly what they would have reasoned from at that moment in time. I think of Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11. It says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect for reviving the soul. I mean, Paul would have been hearing this from his mother and his grandmother. It says, the decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. You know, think of moms and dads. Are these are the things, are we sharing this with our kids today? You know, grandparents, you know, friends and neighbors. Is this the instruction that we're offering, you know, one another? He says, the commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure and lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold. You think of the things that people are pursuing today. I mean, it says that pursuing God's word. And God in his word should be in our lives more desirable than pursuing gold. You go, that's convicting. They're sweeter, he says, than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward, a great reward, not just a reward, but a great reward for those who what? Who obey them. We don't just read the Bible, but go, God, I want to apply the word. I want to do the word. This was 2000 years ago, right? And you think about that, reasoning from the Old Testament, you know, 39 books, 
You think about that. Over 3,000 times, you know, the Bible claims to speak with authority. You know, you read scripture in the Old Testament. It says, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, or it would say, thus says the Lord. And now in the New Testament, like I was sharing with you last week, you know, we have, and Jesus said, or in the name of Jesus, right? You talk about authority, you know, in the New Testament. Just want you to think about this, you know, today. You'll find over 300 quotations, direct quotations from the Old Testament that are written in the New Testament because to them, in Paul's day, in Timothy's day, that was the scripture. I mean, you think about that. There's over a thousand inferences to the Old Testament text. So, you know, you think of in that era, 2,000 years ago, you know, they believed the Old Testament. They believed that what? The Old Testament was inspired by God. And it's why we teach. That's one of the things I love John's teaching in the book of Daniel on Wednesday nights. If you're not part of you know, our midweek service, I invite you to come out. We just start in Genesis. We teach all the way through to Revelation. Um, we just finished on Wednesday morning. Um, what we just finish? Obadiah, you know, I mean, we just go book by book. We cover a book every single Wednesday, uh, every morning, every Wednesday morning, we go through one, one book of the Bible. We give you a snippet of it and uh, give you some handouts that you can study and love just walking through God's word. You go cover to cover. Why? Because it's all inspired, you know, and you think about this and I love this explanation. Remember this in the old Testament, the new Testament is concealed, Right. But in the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed. So you need both. You know, so don't be someone who's just, oh, I just only read the, you know, the, the red letters of Jesus and, and Proverbs. You know? you go, no, you'd be missing it. We need the entirety of Scripture. What did we, what'd we say? What Paul said, he said, how much Scripture? All Scripture, right? All Scripture is good. And so that we would be students of the Bible. Second Peter 3 15 and 16, you don't need to turn there. You might highlight that in your, in your, your Bible, or if you're a note taker, write that down and go back and study this. Peter writes this. He says, and remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. That is what our beloved Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. So the reason I say that, you know, and quote Peter here is Peter then is bringing the New Testament into all scripture. So he's not just referring to the Old Testament. He doesn't say, you know, that the prophets of old, you know, as Hebrews, you know, one, I think Hebrews 1, 1 says, you know, in, the, in latter times, God spoke to us through the prophets and through the fathers. But in these last days, these end times, God's final word is Jesus Christ, right? But Paul, or Peter here, he makes reference. He says, but Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. So here they're starting to understand that there is the New Testament, which is also inspired by God himself. And he said, and Paul, speaking of these things in all his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of the scripture. And this will result in their destruction. And so, like I said, here's Peter going, hey, it's not just the Old Testament now, but it's also the New Testament. All scripture is inspired by God. You know, and again, I, I love, you know, Mike McIntosh, you know, would share this often, um, you know, as he would share about, you know, falling in love. He actually wrote a book called Falling in Love with the Bible. And in it, uh, he said, you know, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who's not. And that is so true. I found that in my own life. You know, man, when you are in the word of God, I don't care what's going on in your life. I can tell you this, you won't be falling apart. 
because you understand, you know, the sovereignty of God, the plan of God, the purposes of God. You grow in that knowledge. And even when you don't comprehend it, even when you don't understand it, what happens? There's a peace that surpasses even your own understanding. Because you realize, hey, I don't get it. You know, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but what? But I know who holds tomorrow. Amen. Second Timothy 3.16, again, all scripture. Think about this. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. I love how the NIV puts this particular passage. It says, all scripture is what? God breathed. Don't you love that? This just gives you a great visual. All scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. And so basically, in other words, you know, the scriptures are a direct result of God breathing out through men. And, and I love that, that visual, people, because, well, how did they pin the words of God? They were men moved by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't, you know, that they'd eaten pizza the night before or falafel or whatever and had indigestion, you know, that it was the Holy Spirit moving through their life, both Old and New Testament. It was God who was speaking through them. Yes, he spoke through their personality, but they wrote down exactly what God was communicating in and through them. They weren't concepts. They were the very words of God. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 18, he says, For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till it is all fulfilled. Now you think about that. A jot, that's the smallest Hebrew letter, right? And a tittle is like a, a comma or a period. Now, would you say that commas or periods are important in, in writing? Yeah. Well, I can tell you Larry, and he believes this with all of his heart. I should have had Larry tell the story. Larry was in a meeting, and I think they were somewhere, in, I think they were in Paris. I can't remember. Mona was out shopping, and Mona goes to this jewelry store, and she goes in, and she sees this necklace that she just falls in love with. Well, Larry's in this, you know, like merger meeting. It's like millions of dollars, and he's busy. And Mona... She doesn't want to bug him, but she, you know, because she needs to defer to her husband because this necklace was like ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. She's like, um, she's shaking her head no. But um, <laughs> play along. And so, so Mona, rightfully, you know, this little marriage ministry going on here, she texts Larry. And she says, Larry, she says, honey, baby, I, I, I love her. I, 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 I found this necklace that I really like, but I wanted to check with you first. I really, I love it, but it's like, it's like almost $15,000. And Larry, Larry's in the middle of a meeting. So he looks down and he writes, he goes, no, price is too high. So Mona buys it. <laughs> so they get back to the hotel that night and Larry, Larry, she's, she's like, honey, thank you so much. She's, you know, comes up, gives him a big kiss. Larry goes, honey, I said, no, price is too high. And she goes, I know. And he goes, let me see your phone. So he looked and he goes, it said, no price is too high. <laughs> it's a big difference when you don't have a period or a comma, right? So Mona, show him the necklace. No. <laughs> yeah. I just appreciate Larry and Mona playing along. <laughs> Mona would not, I can just tell you this, she would not go for 
you know, give her the costume, you know, the, the $5 knockoff one of that one. Yeah, but not, no, not the risk. It would just be the fear of her living with that, like the thing, you know, somebody might want to take it from you. But, uh, but it's, it's so interesting, you know, you think about, here's Jesus going, not one jot, not one tittle, right? So he's saying, every I will be dotted and every T will be crossed. That, that's what he's saying. And, and yet we can be so flippant with the word of God, right? We just, you know, and I, I've done sermons on this. You know, don't put, you know, a period, right, where God puts a comma. Uh, there's, there's so many mistakes that we can make when we do that. God's word is so important. And like I said, it, and to study it with that intent to go, God, I want to listen to you. Because we're, we're thinking about this. This isn't just, this isn't a book like any other book. This book was written by God himself. It came from God and it's come to us. And, and it's to explain to us. I mean, you think about, you open up your Bible. If you want to understand creation and how things came into existence in this world, it's right there in scripture. If you want to understand why you're here on this planet and is there a purpose? I think most of us, you know, at some point in our life have laid in bed or questioned or sat up and went, you know, why am I here? What is my purpose? Is there, does God have a will for my life? And then to know that he maps that out through his word and you go, amen, absolutely. God does that. And what I love about that, you think about then statistically, you know, so few people read the Bible. And, 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 and if I was even asking you, how, how many of you have read the Bible through from Genesis to Revelation, at least once in your life, you know, and, and I'm not saying that you, I'm not asking you to do that, but thank you. I see your hands. I love that. I appreciate that. But think about this, the simplicity of it. You know, how, what's that expression? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Not that has anybody eaten an elephant ever. I, that would be an interesting question to ask today. No, but to read the Bible from cover to cover in one year, you only have to spend 12 minutes a day. And that's in the voice that I'm, I'm speaking to you. And just as you were, if you were reading it yourself, 12 minutes a day for one year, you'd read the entire Bible. And some of us, we've known the Lord for years and years and you've yet to read the Bible from cover to cover. And, and because it's, we're approaching Valentine's Day, it means all the more to me, you know, because I think about it. I mean, I, I have letters still that my wife wrote me, you know, that when we were dating. And I go, why would I keep that? And you go, because they mean everything to me, because this is the, the woman who I married. This is my wife. And, and uh, to go back and to think about when we fell in love and, and what we thought and what we shared. You go, I would never get rid of those. And that's exactly what God's word is to us. It's, it's a love letter from cover to cover. You know, I love what Max Licato said. You know, he said a love letter was never meant to be studied, you know, or analyzed. It was meant to be loved and to be enjoyed, you know, and, and, it, and it doesn't take away, obviously, the theological aspect of God's word. But I think you understand the point is that when you're writing someone a love letter, it's not that they would break every word down, but they would understand, you know, the feeling, the heart behind it. And we recognize, you know, what, what Jesus has done for us. It's why it makes, you know, sometimes a Good Friday service so difficult. I remember one year we, we showed, uh, you know, you could stay after the service and we had uh, the Passion of the Christ. Remember when it first came out? And it was rated R, but it was rated R for violence. It wasn't language or there wasn't nudity or anything. It was violence. It was because of what Jesus suffered through. So much so that they put an R rating on that. And people didn't want to watch it. They go, I, I just, I don't want to see that. 
And to think what he went through, you know, on the cross. I mean, to say that Jesus would rather die than live without me, but then to see what he actually went through is so humbling. But that's the love that God has for you personally. Not just that he did it corporately, but he knows you personally. This is like I said, we do a baby dedication. God knows that baby. He knows the hairs upon that baby's head. He knows everything. It says that while that baby was in his mother's womb, or she was, God fashioned that baby there. And you go, wow. And that's you. That's me. He knows everything about you. 12 minutes a day. And the reason I want to encourage you with that, 12 minutes a day, you know, I would hope to God that revival would break out at least one more time in this country before Jesus returns, that God would sweep across our country. But I know it's not going to happen until people fall in love with his word. Because you can't fall in love with somebody that you don't know anything about, right? No. How will they believe in him whom they've not heard? It's why God's called us to go. But if I don't know the message and I don't know, you know, in a sense, the messenger in that regard, you go, how am I ever going to proclaim, you know, a message? 12 minutes a day. Again, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It's why we need to be reading the Bible every single day. You go, why? Because God wants to change me. You know, do you understand this? God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you the way that you are. Amen? And you think about that. He wants to transform us. He wants to teach us. He wants me to realize what's wrong in my life. I don't. And I, I get it. That's why many people stay away from the Bible. Because what? Because it brings correction. It shows me what I'm doing wrong. It doesn't just affirm what I'm doing right. See, it wouldn't be good news until what? Until I understood the bad news. For all have what? Sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Some people don't want to hear that. But heaven isn't earned by your effort or mine. Heaven is a free gift to all who receive it because of what Jesus suffered through. We've been studying that, haven't we? Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, I think about this, this passage, I think about, you know, Valentine's coming up and husbands and wives, you know, here, here's a, a passage of scripture you, Think about this with me. In Ephesians chapter 5, we, we quote this a lot, do a marriage teaching or a conference and, and things like this. I, I use this, this all the time. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. It says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And he gave up his life for her to make her holy. And this is what I want you to think about in verse 26 here. To make her holy and clean washed by the cleansing of God's word. So here Paul is saying that God's word cleanses us. And he uses it particularly with regard to a husband and a wife relationship, making a comparison to Jesus and his bride, the church. Verse 27 goes on in Ephesians 5. It says, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish and instead she will be holy 
and without fault. Now, he's not talking about being cleansed by the blood of Christ for sin. This is the beauty of transformation. See, it's not always some people, oh, you know, God wants to correct us. Correction doesn't mean that you're, you're sinning. Correction can mean that God wants you to do it better. God doesn't want you to settle. You, you, we all understand what mediocrity is, right? He doesn't want us to settle for mediocrity. God wants us to be the best that we can possibly be. And so here when Paul talks about washing his wife, what he's talking away, talking here is about washing with the word that talks about removing spots or blemishes. You know, have you ever had a, and back in high school, can you think of this? Those of you, you know, my age and, and younger, um, you go, you had a senior pitcher. I have two sisters and a brother. Mom, I can't get my picture today. Why? Because I've got a pimple on my forehead. You know, I mean, it's like the worst day, right? You might have clear complexion until what? Until there's a school picture. And what do they do when they take it? It's like that thing is like, nah, nah, nah. you know, now you look back and I, mean, I don't even want to ask you because this just brings up a horrific memory. Some of you you go, yes, it just ruined my high school. They, they called me Rudolph. My nose was so bright, you know. But you, you think about that. You go, so it, what it's saying is that God's word washes us. It removes blemishes. It's not the, not the sin that Jesus died for to save us for eternity. It's that correction that, that is, you know, we think about, you know, the, uh, and again, like Paul talks about a silversmith, you know, and, and to purify gold or silver, you know, you heat it up, right? And when, as you heat it, the, the impurities float to the top. And then they use, it's called the dross. And the dross, they would skim the top of it. And they would take all the impurities away. And they knew that it was pure. And it's such a beautiful analogy. It was pure when the silversmith or the goldsmith could look down into the pool and see their own reflection. And the same is true of Jesus. See, he wants to wash us constantly with the word. He wants to bring that correction into our lives so that it removes the dross, it removes the blemishes, so that all that remains is what? In my life and your life is a reflection of Jesus. That's such a beautiful thing. And what does that? The word of God. It's not going to happen any other way. You're not going to will it. We've all tried it. You know, uh, I was funny. My wife and I were at the gym the day that it was uh, January like 17th. It was uh, New Year's resolution disillusion day. So you dissolved your, you know, you, you resolved to dissolve your New Year's resolution so you didn't punish yourself any longer. So the gyms all converted to ice cream parlors, you know, on the 17th, and then everybody lived happily ever after, you know. But no, I, I love that when you think about, you know, what is God's word telling us about the power of God's word? This is not like, you know, you read any other book. Hear me on this. You will read any other book. The Bible is the only book that reads you. And I get why then people try to avoid it. Even Christians, because ah, I know what I'm doing is not right. And I don't want to be reminded of it. So I stay away from it. But it doesn't. Because you also have the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will be with you. And where else will he be? In you. And what will he do when he comes into your heart? When he comes into your life? He says, he will bring to remembrance, what? All the things that I said. The Holy Spirit's the one who will quicken the word of God. And you have that. It's just 
more powerful, more profound is when you're holding that book in your hand. And many of you have done it because I've had the opportunity to talk with you about it. You've been studying the Bible for yourself and you'll come and you go, Pastor Mike, this past week I was reading this and this was so amazing. And you go, I didn't even know this. And they go, and then God quickened it. And you get that. You, you experience what the intimacy of God. That you have a God of revelation. That's what he is. He's a God of revelation. He would not be known unless he revealed himself to us. Primarily does that through his word. So as you're reading God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit quickens that to your mind, all of a sudden things that didn't make sense, all of a sudden make sense because the Bible says the natural man, the natural woman, that means the person without Jesus can't comprehend the things of God because they seem foolish. They don't make sense. Only someone who's what? Who's born again can comprehend the things of God. I like what Pastor Chuck Smith would say. He said, if you want your life to be full and meaningful, become intimately acquainted with God, the God who desires a meaningful relationship with you. The only way to develop this relationship is by knowing him. And the only way to truly know him is to read his revelation of himself in the Bible. Falling in love with the Bible will draw you to fall in love with Jesus. I promise you. I love what A.W. Tozer said. He said, God is not silent. It is the nature of God to speak. The Bible is the inevitable outcome of God's continuous speech. It is the infallible declaration of his mind. You want to know God? I mean, think of this. You know, we ask people, so what is your opinion? I, people ask me that all the time. Pastor Mike, what's your opinion? What do I tell you? 99.9% of the time I go, who cares? Who cares? What is my, my opinion doesn't matter. What, what, what does God say? That's what matters. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. Jesus said, but what? My word is never going to pass away. Let, let me close with just a, a few reminders of scripture. Why the word of God is so important. You think about today, your, your own faith in your life. You know, where, where are you at with Jesus? You know, are, are you... Is your faith dinky? Is it strong? You know, whatever it might be. Romans 10, 17. Think of this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing the good news about Christ. Where does it come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. You want your faith to grow? You go, oh, I just don't have much faith. Get in the word of God. Let the word of God get into you. That's how you'll grow. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it. Listen to this, meditating on it day and night. Okay. So like, oh, I, I did my devotional. I mean, because we can all admit this, right? Have you ever done a devotional and gone out and just totally blown it? It's not like one time is going to, you know, like, oh, I was in the word today. Great. You know, so was the devil. You know, he's right there. But it says they, they meditate on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season. Their leaves will never, never wither. They will prosper in all they do. Man, the word of God. Job 23, 12, as all the things that Job went through in his life, right? The highs, the lows. I mean, we, many of us can relate to Job. What do you say? I have not departed from his commands, but have treasured his words more than daily food. Can we say that of the Bible? Do you have that kind of hunger for the word of God? 
Psalm 119, 9 through 11 says, how can a young person stay pure? It's for a few young people today. I don't know what a young person is. What is a young person? What age is that? 75 and below. Okay. How can a young person, well, you think about it in eternal numbers. How can a young person stay pure? It says, by obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of God. Falling in love with the Bible will help you fall in love with Jesus. 1 Peter 2.2 2, Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Cry out for it. Jeremiah 15, 16. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. The word of God. And may that be true of us. Lastly, Jesus said it best. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, Jesus recognizes this as we close. I want you to think about this. He knows that our, our souls, they're little desire factories. We have all kinds of desires, great desires. Some people feed their desires with pornography, others with alcohol, with drugs, some with food, some with careers, some with entertainment, just, just pleasure-seeking. And yet none of those things all of us would agree. They don't truly satisfy. It didn't say they don't temporarily satisfy. Scripture says even sin is pleasurable for how long? A moment. And then it's gone. And then it's back to guilt and to shame and to condemnation. You know, I don't want you to get me wrong here. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, pizza or movies or vacation. The point that I want to make is that none of those things can truly satisfy our heart's deepest desire. Only Jesus can. And Jesus said, hey, if you're tired of looking every place else, he said, come to me. He said, all you who are weary, and he said, heavy laden, he said, come unto me. He said, I am gentle and lowly of, of heart. He said, for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. You know, God's not, you know, so many people, I was raised Catholic. You know, I, I thought the Bible was a bunch of, you know, don't, 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 don't do this. And then when I got saved, you know what I discovered? The do's far outweigh the don'ts. The Bible says that, you know, at his right hand are what? They're pleasures evermore. Spending time with Jesus, growing in him. You know, you think of all the things that are going on in the world today, all the confusion, you know, about who people are, what they're being called to do. And you go, to me, it's, it's real simple. It's not complex. We've lost our way with God. When you don't understand creation and you don't understand the creator, then you don't understand, you know, why we're here and what we've been purposed to do. And you'll go aimlessly through this life. Life is in Christ. In him was life and his life is the light of men. If you need that light today, you know, before we go, you know, you want to fall in love with Jesus as you, you fall in love with his word. Take him at his word. If you don't own a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible. If you don't know how to read the Bible, that's okay. That's why we have Bible studies all throughout the week. Like I said, we've got it Sunday morning. We've got, you know, Wednesday morning. We've got Wednesday night. We've got men's Bible study on 
Monday you know, uh, night, we've got women's Bible study on Monday night. We've got Bible study, like I said, Wednesday morning. We've got women's Bible study Wednesday morning. We've got youth services. We've got recovery ministry. Uh, we've got, you know, activities stitched together. We've got together we can. There's ways to serve. There's ways to get involved that we can, we can just, I mean, submerge ourselves in the things of God. And I promise you, you know, in 2023, if you'll do that in your life, if you'll fall in love with the Bible again, and you go, how am I going to fall in love with the Bible? You go, I've never been in love with the Bible. And you go, immerse yourself in it. Simply just do that. If you just will immerse yourself in the Bible and you begin to understand the Bible, you can't help but fall in love with it. Just like if somebody that you love wrote you a love letter, you would keep that love letter, I would think, and you'd go back to it and read it again and again and again and again. And that's what the Bible is. It's God's love letter to us to explain what his hopes and what his dreams were for us and the way that we mess things up. But that didn't end it because we serve a loving God who's compassionate, who's merciful, who himself came and took on human flesh, who went to a cross and died in a place that I should be and you should be so that in him we could become the righteousness of God and that we could enjoy not just heaven, but, but again, I share this with you all the time and I close with this, that you know, we say heaven is heaven because what? Because Jesus is there. And hell is hell because Jesus isn't there. That, that's what makes heaven heaven. That's why scripture says, you know, that at the rapture, if you watch the movie, you know, Left Behind, it says the dead in Christ will arise and those of us who remain will be caught up, it says to be with the Lord forever. It doesn't say, and you're going to heaven. No, it's just to be with Jesus because wherever Jesus is at, that's where you want to be. It's a relationship that he wants you to enjoy, but you'll never understand and know that relationship until you fall in love with God's word. And when you fall in love with God's word, you will fall in love with the author. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and Lord, thank you for Sundays like this, that God, we can um, just kind of slow the pace and do some family business, which we always enjoy and just to exhort to encourage one another. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you for the word of God. I, I do uh, this morning, you know, we're not, we're not into religion. We're not into even denominations. I know Calvary Chapel, uh, it's a non-denominational church. And we're not opposed to denomination, as Pastor Chuck would say. But uh, we just don't want to be pigeonholed into any one thing. We want to just take your word for what it says. But I do just so appreciate um, the ministry of Pastor Chuck Smith. And I think of Pastor Greg Laurie and Mike McIntosh and Raul Reese and, and Don McClure and Joe Foch. And I, I think of Skip Heitzig. I think there's so many guys that came out of the, the Jesus revolution, the Jesus movement. Lord, who just went into a church and, and there wasn't a bunch of hype or anything else. It was just men, Lord, who stood at a pulpit and opened up your word that stood before men and women, young people like, and just said, this is God's word. This is his voice. This is his inspired word. Let's open it. Let's read it. Let's study it together. And Lord, that's what we want to do. We just want to be a people who love your word because Lord, when we do, we're going to love you. And if we're loving your word, then Lord, we're going to end up loving each other too. And, and we, I think of the 10 commandments this morning. And I think there's six that, that deal with our relationships with each other and four that deal with you. And you know, I, I learned from that, that it's harder to love each other than it is to love you. 
And so, Lord, we thank you that, God, you invite us to start with you. And as we do love you, that, God, you change us and you transform the way we think, the way we live. And so, Lord, give us a hunger. Give us a holy hunger, Lord, for your word. Not, not anything that's guilt-ridden, no condemnation, but that just as Jesus, you said, man can't live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Lord, help us to feed our spirit every day, just like we feed our bodies, Lord. Give us a holy passion, Lord, for you, for your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, I'll invite you to stand to your feet. We'll send you out with song today. And uh, thank you guys so much for, for coming on. I know it's a different Sunday, time change. You know, make it at 10 instead of 1030. Um, be blessed as you go today. And if you need prayer for anything, we're here. I'd love to pray with you. But uh, love on Jesus as you do. your foe, still your love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so good. 